It was awesome. He made me cry. We've got good history, Brett and I. It's good. It's awesome. It's, it's important that we develop history with the Lord, but history with people. And I said last week, like, if we, if we, if we come twice a year, it's very difficult to build authentic relationships. And the structure of heaven is family, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Like the, the structure of heaven is family. And one of our core beliefs is, is healthy families and relationships. And it's such a big deal that, yeah, he wants, he wants us to do it together. There's no islands in the kingdom. It was all about bringing 12 together. And then there was a three that were more intentional. So they got some inner time, some close time, some closer time. And what did that do to those three? They were confident. They wrote books in the Bible. You look at John and Peter, they wrote books. Peter was the first at the tomb. John's saying, who's going who's gonna to sit at your right hand? Who is it? Ah. And, and they're getting confident because they've been pulled in a little closer. So I just want to encourage you guys that it, it, it's a journey, it's a process, it's a walking out, it's a run at times, but it's still identifying it's a marathon in the, at the same time. We're running and walking and it's a journey, it's a process, it's about taking steps, the kingdom's about moving forward. When we look at the whole context of the Old Testament and New Testament, regardless of our view on what we think God was like in the Old Testament, it was still about looking forward. It was still about hope. It was still about him intervening, him crashing in, him providing a promised land, him providing manna, him providing um, his, his love and mercy. We, we see the different eras in the Bible, and it's all about moving forward. It's about taking steps. We see it in the new covenant. It, Paul's like, let us run this race with perseverance. Let us throw off the sin and the stuff that easily entangles and let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. It's about moving forward. It's about momentum. It's about the doing. It's, it's being hearers of the word, but also doing. It's listening, but applying. I love you, and I love you. As if I haven't said it for a couple of months. It's awesome. It's really good. Hey, um, got this book. It's called Releasing the Spirit of Prophecy, The Supernatural Power of Testimony by Bill Johnson. We've been speaking... Uh, we've been speaking about consistency. One of the keys for having consistency is having hope that's current. The Bible says in Proverbs thirteen twelve that hope deferred makes our heart sick. The Bible also says that if we can guard our heart, it actually determines the course of our life. So the key ingredient when we put those two together is having current hope. How do we have current hope? It's through remembering our testimonies and stewarding our prophecies to take careful manage of our prophecies, looking after them, listening to them, telling our friends, applying them, declaring them, believing, asking. It's this process. It's taking steps with the Lord. And we also spoke about that song, Do It Again. That actually comes from the, the, the word testimony in the Bible. When we look at the root meaning of testimony, it actually means repeat. And we get this from Revelation 19.10, I believe, or 19.12. It says, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. 
So when we share a testimony of what Jesus has done, whether it's on the cross or whether it's something he's done in our life because of the Lord's character and nature and what he's like, because he's consistent, he wants to do it again. So every testimony that we share, because Jesus is in every testimony, the Bible says in John 1 that nothing was made without him. So he's involved in everything. He's in on the plan. He's in on the plan. So when we share anything, Jesus is involved and was aware of it and came up with it as well at the boardroom of heaven. So when we share about Jesus and a testimony, a victory, a breakthrough, something that he has done, that's a testimony, it's got this supernatural ingredient in it that says repeat because it's anchored in his character and nature, which is I'm the same yesterday, come on, today and forever. This whole repeat thing is about consistency. He wants to be consistent in your life. So when we go, he, he did it then and he won't do it then, it's like, hey, we've missed his character and his nature. We've actually missed the part of God because he is consistent. He is constant in his goodness, our core belief phrase says. He is constant in his goodness. What's that scripture? Is it Jeremiah or is it Lamentations? His mercy comes new every day. I love how Graham Cook says, we think of that so often with the, I've stuffed up, so mercy, blah, blah, blah. I need mercy for today because yesterday was a bad day. So I can't wait for tomorrow, 12.01. Woo, fresh mercy. But Graham Cook, he's, if you want, follow him on Facebook. His mindset on who we are as sons and daughters is incredible. But he's like, what if we actually shifted it and we started to think, that it's actually fresh blessing, like fresh grace, fresh mercy, fresh blessing for actually upgrade, not just to save us from strife. Like I said last week, what if we looked at a trial as though our triumph was unfolding rather than getting deeper in the trial? But when we know what his character and nature is like, when we know he's not angry at us, when we know that he's in a good mood, when we know that he's kind, because it's his kindness that leads us to change the way that we think about him, when we start to get that, we actually position ourselves and go, you know what? Oh yeah, my triumph is unfolding and I'm not being punished. Because he who he loves, he doesn't punish. 1 John 4, 19, I think. It might be 18, but um, it's around there. I think it's 18. But again, read the Bible. Some have freak memories that it helps. So don't sit there and go, I want to. Yeah, it's a gift. I recognize it. So right now, let's close our eyes. Do we believe in impartation, church? Do we believe that when we impart something that we carry, grace is released? Actually, grace isn't released if you don't believe it. But what happens is grace comes, because Paul says, the grace that I've been given, I give to you, Bible. Grace comes and gives us the ability that we didn't have before. So if you guys don't have a good memory, guess what? Grace is here. Kindness, that's that word, kindness. Grace, charis in the Greek. Kindness is here to give you the ability that you didn't have before. What does grace do? It gives us faith. Remember? You couldn't have said yes to Jesus and got saved without grace. It gave you the ability to have faith. So right now, I just impart memory. Just impart memory 
scripture, songs, prophecies, testimonies right now, that we'd just start to, to, to remember, that we'd remember, that we'd remember, do this in remembrance of me, Jesus said. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Oh, wow. So good. So last week, Brett just did the best re- recap ever. Love you, mate. And how good's live? Just killing it. Retire in a couple of years. Just two years stint. No. Um, last week we spoke about, been speaking about a lot, and I feel like, I feel like really happy that we're going to land today on our little vision within the vision. So at the start of the year, you know our process of the vision and the dreaming and the practical presence, health, influence, the core beliefs. We did that. It was great. And then we've gone on a little journey over four or five, six weeks about saying, okay, that's all good, but we don't just want to talk about it. How can we actually do it? So we, I felt the Lord introduced this consistency thing with hope and testimonies, prophecies, momentum. And then we talked about knowing our season in life. Like it's really, we need to know our season if we're going to get dressed in the morning. Oh, it's autumn. Okay, so it's thereabouts. But it could be 10 or it could be 20. So I need to know my now so I know what I'm going to wear today. That's a good word, isn't it? It's a really good word. Lee asks me every morning what the temperature is. Check your phone, Lee. And I'm aware. I'm just, I mean, Dad's the same. He'd know the temperature the next four days. Um... (laughs) But, um, I mean, being a landscaper, I need to be aware of the weather. I'm not going to pour a concrete slab if it's going to be raining. So I've got to be aware. I know the season. Okay, we're in autumn. It could rain. It could rain in any season. But, okay, it's more likely to rain. Just say we're in winter and I'm pouring concrete slab. So, okay, the season's winter. So I know there's a better chance. So I've got to be a bit more intentional with my today because it could rain more than what it's going to do in February. So I'm going to check. I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to say, you know what? I understand the season I'm in. I'm in winter. You might go, I'm in, I'm in a, a really hard season of grief. You know, that might be your season. James actually says, put joy aside, guys, and grieve. Yeah, that's in the Bible. For a season. You might be in joy and hope. You might be in, I'm going after miracles. What season are you in? You might be linked in and it's like, you know what? This is my church. I'm coming in and under and I trust. And if your season's present self-influence, then so is mine. And our, our little steps are going to be different because someone's going through grief and someone's going through the greatest time of their life. And you can both take great steps and know your seasons and still link into where we're at. And guess what? They might need you. You might actually need them to, sh- to, to learn empathy. And we go on this journey together. Does that make sense? So knowing our season helps us be consistent. And consistent causes momentum. And what does momentum do? It sees this vision play out and happen. Our vision is to lead people to Jesus every day. It's challenging. But if we can know our season, it positions us to know our now. And if we can know our now, we know what step to take. We know what step to take. So we're going to talk about that today. Proverbs 4.26. Give careful thought to the paths, sorry, to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. 
That's in the NIV translation, Proverbs 4.26. We'll look at the New American Standard translation. Watch the path of your feet, and in all your ways, you'll be established. So be careful, give careful thought to the path. So be thinking about where you're at now, thinking about those dreams, thinking about the awakening that's happening in your heart, the hope, the, I want to see this, I want to see that, I want to break through in this. This is called applying, appropriating during a sermon. It's really important to do that you're listening, that you're aware of where you're at so that that can apply to here, yeah? That's elementary listening to a sermon, but we just get distracted. We don't take notes. And we've, how many sermons have we heard over the years? thousand? (laughs) Proverbs 4.26 in the King James Version. I love this one. Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. Ponder, give careful thought to your path because what does your path do? It's directing your life. You're walking. Where are we walking? What are we doing? What are, where are we going? What are you doing? I love the story of David and Saul. Well, I love the victory out of it, the relationship. They, 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 they both needed a better understanding of healthy family and relationship, that if we disagree, we can still get along really well. That honor doesn't mean agreement. We can disagree and still love and value each other. They didn't have that down really well because there was jealousy and insecurity on Saul's um, part because young David was anointed because he had a heart after God's own heart. And when Samuel came to anoint, Saul's like, uh, sorry, Samuel's like, no, nah, no, nah, it's not here. What's going on? Speaking to Jesse's dad and it's like, nah, 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 nah. oh, there is one other son. He's out in the field. So God sees our heart, the Bible says, in that scenario. He doesn't look at the outward appearance. All the other sons of Jesse were these big warriors, but David was tender. But it shares testimonies of him ripping open a bear and a lion. And then Goliath, after he was called, after he was anointed, got the horn out. You're going to be king. We go through this journey of the fighting, Saul and David. Then we see Jonathan, Saul's son, crazy. He's aligned to his dad, but he didn't affect that from having heart covenant relationship with another person. It's amazing. So there's so much in all this. 1 Samuel 23, Jonathan going after David and strengthening him in the Lord. Then the, because of that, we see David positioned and, and, and built up by Jonathan that he got to uh, encourage himself in the Lord in 1 Samuel 30. So we've got this history and we've got Saul making bad choices, disobedience out of insecurity and fear, which is often the, the, the way that happens. It's because of fear. And we get to a point where, yes, he's anointed, but now he's appointed. We'd go into that, but I won't. So we've got this time where David's now king. And he's like, you know what? The first thing, because it's all about his presence. It's all about connection. It's all about face-to-face. I've penned these Psalms because of my heart connection with God, with the Father, with the Creator. And we find this moment where David is like, I am bringing the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem. So he gets a plan together. He works it out. The Bible says there's 30,000 of them. 
a logistical nightmare. And he plans and he prepares and they get the ark, the glory and presence of God, and they put it on a cart. You can read all about how it was made, the instructions, the detail, the specifics. God articulated perfect measurements and it was built. And now here's David coming down the line and he's saying, I'm bringing it back because it's about his presence. Because in his presence is his face. In his face is his character and nature. So good. So they put him on, put it on a cart and there's some people around it. There's a guy called Uzzah. That's how you say it, guys. Uzzah. Now the, the cart, the cart hit a bit of a bump. So they're, they're, they're on the way to Jerusalem to bring it back into the temple, into God's holy city, so they can all get back in there and get excited and worship and see the kingdom established. And they hit a bump. And Uzzah, let's say that together, Uzzah. Not Uzo. Uzzah. So Uzzah put his hand out doing the right thing and he touched the cart. Naughty boy, Uzzah. And it angered David because David wanted, he, he was integrous. He wanted to bring the ark into Jerusalem. He had a plan. The Bible says to ponder thy path. So give careful thought to your steps. And that's David's heart. And, and it, was, it wasn't going well. So it bumped and he, well, and the Bible says that God killed him. So be careful with his presence. Tash on Sunday. No. I don't want him to get near that. Is that smoking? Nah. We had, we had a shift. It's now kindness. New covenant. Beautiful. But we've got this moment. And David's like, too hard. Nah, too hard. Get rid of it. The Bible says, lots of detail missing, but read it. It's awesome. The Bible's great. It goes into this guy's house called Obed-Edom. You've heard this, haven't you? Everyone here. Obed-Edom. It was there for 90 days, like an American tourist visa that we get. 90 days. Like the visa waiver program. Three months, 90 days. The ark, the glory, the presence, the manifest. It is, wow, it's in this guy's house. And the Bible goes into detail about everything about his house and home and family was blessed. Like coming in, going out, left, right, up and down, turn around, thanks for coming. It's all happening because of the presence. Can we use that as a shipe, shipe, a, a, a type and a shadow? Can we, really nearly went pear-shaped. Can we use that as a type, a shadow, a picture, a glimpse, a story for us today? That the presence, when we can know that it's not, oh, there it is, let's step into it. But it's like, oh, it's innocent, honest. That he's already here. It's not about stepping in. And we'll probably keep saying that because we're weird. But it's more about being aware that everything you do becomes blessed. So this is happening. So it's in Obed-Edom's house. And David, David, I really feel like he started to ponder the path. He's got 90 days to think about his path. I'm taking the presence back into Jerusalem. Historic, but spiritual, all in one. And the 90 days is up. And it wasn't a set thing, but it was just 90 days, three months. And David's like, go and get it from Obed-Edom's house. It's time. 
He's been pondering his path. He's been planning his steps. He's been seeking the Lord. He's been wondering, okay, how are we going to do this? And you know what he does? He gets everyone together. It's a big crowd. Wow. 30,000 people. They're about five or six Ks, the, some of the commentaries say. They're about five or six Ks. Obed-Edom's house. I Google mapped it. It did not come up. Obed-Edom's house to Jerusalem. But some of the commentators say about five or six kilometers. Now, David's pondered this path. He's planned this path. The presence is important. And you know what David did? He goes, guys, come in. No megaphones, no Instagram, no Insta story. He's just said, every six steps, we're going to worship. We're going to pray. We're going to shout. And we're going to sacrifice a fatling, a calf. And we're going to do this every six steps because he's worth it. One, two, three, four, five, six, 30,000 people erupting in praise, worship. You're amazing, God. We thank you, God. Your presence is everything. We're taking it back. Slaughter, sacrifice, blood, appeasing, awesome. God sees it, loves it. Can you see this? Can you see some of them in the background looking, going five or six kilometers? And we're going to stop every six steps. Because some mathematician during the week sought out how long that would have taken. That'd be awesome. Because I don't know how to do that. And they're just one, two, three, and maybe some left. This is going to take forever. But David's like, no, we're doing, we're being consistent with this. He's worth it every six steps. Praise, glory, honor. You're amazing. We're bringing your presence back. It's such a big deal. And then can you feel them maybe dropping off? Not sure. This is going to take forever. But then can you imagine when they see Jerusalem in the distance? When they've been doing this, there's a stirring. Remember, consistency starts with small steps. So they've been doing every six steps for how many Ks? They've stopped maybe a hundred times. And they're getting momentum. You imagine the hundredth time they stop and they're cheering. And they're like, yeah, come on. And we're building and they see the city. They've heard the vision. They've seen it from Abraham down. They've read it. They've been reading it, the goal, the desire of God for people. And they're, they're excited and they're like, oh, wow, the vision is happening. And they start, more people are cheering. And then when we get there, it's like this triumph, 30,000 screaming and cheering. If there was one person cheering, would that have been good? Would have been okay. But 30,000, like this morning, I want to encourage you, when we put our foot down in worship, there's times. There's a time today. Can we put our foot down? 10 people, cool. 15, awesome. 20, awesome. We're all on a journey. So don't do anything. You know your season. But I want to encourage you, step in. This is our now. There's going to be times where you're sitting and you're going, you're observing. You're not sure. The momentum's not there because stuff's happening in your life. But when you get your season and your now, testimonies, prophecies, hope, we start to actually go, you know what? This can happen. This is happening. And it's not about hope, uh, hype. It's about hope. It's not about hype. It's not about emotionalism. It's about his presence. It's about hope. And man, when they got into the city, it says that David was getting wild. He had a linen ephod on and pretty wild. It says that he stripped. Uh, I think he had undies on. But wild. But you've got to understand this because it was, he was so undignified, the Bible says, 
that his wife, Mikhail, was up, upstairs and looked down at him and despised him in her heart, the Bible says. And I'm not going to say it's a direct link, but the Bible says that she was barren for the rest of her days. Maybe she deferred hope and her heart got sick and affected fertility. I don't know. So that's where we're at, church. We're taking steps. We're identifying our steps. We're we're pondering our path. We've identified our vision. We've identified the season that we're in. God is interested in our next step and God is interested in your next step. So what is our next step and what is your next step? There's a corporate next step because we are the church and there's an individual step because God loves the individual. You've got stuff that you need to do with your step that doesn't apply to someone else. But when we step into corporate, we are the church, we're all going on the same journey. So you've probably got two steps. So what are they as a church? And I really feel that that the church's step is actually because God's so good and isn't into confusion that the church's step and our step as a church, that's not Lee and I, that's us, that that is actually going to be a lot closer to your step than we all think because the way how good God is we're setting up his grace and love towards us and not confusing us and that's why we're talking about last week if we can know God and know the church's season and know our people then it positions us to know our now if we know our now we know our next step if we know our next step we can take it am I making sense so our season now is talking and dreaming about the vision and core belief. That's our season. That's our overall picture. It's presence, health, influence, building a supernatural culture upon God's presence, which causes us to live in love, health, honor, and power as we introduce the world to Jesus every day. I'm saying it loud and clear. That's our season. That's where we're at. Our core beliefs, love is our highest goal. God is good living a life of worship, God is always speaking, healthy families and relationships, personal transformation, nothing is impossible, God's kingdom is advancing and is being outworked through the church. So it's the vision and the core beliefs, they are our season. They're in this booklet. I'd encourage you to grab this booklet today. It's up the back near the door. Grab it. There's about 140 scriptures in it. It's like a devotional. There's about eight points per per core belief, defining it. And then we've got how it plays out. In worship, it says we make room for God to move during worship. Practically, that's what we do. Nothing is impossible. We pray for the sick every service. It's a practical outworking. So our season, church, so that you know, and we're all on the same page, our season is the vision of our church and core beliefs. The three points, presence, health, influence, the statement, and the eight core beliefs. That's our season. So what's our now? Our now is consistency. Our now is consistency will cause momentum. Our now is having hope, current today hope. Our now is identifying the way to get hope, which is testimonies and prophecies. Don't let this become familiar. You've said this 10 times. I'll get cheeky and say, bring me your list and I'll stop. Nah, just kidding. 
but that is a good word. And it's challenging, but we need encouragement. We need to be lifted up and we need to be challenged. So our now is consistency. Our now is knowing our season and knowing our now. That's our now, church. Our vision and core beliefs are our season. It's the overall picture. And our now is the consistency, the practical. And what's our next step? In my closing minutes, I'm just going to be sharing about our next step. Because after today, we're going to be moving into our next step. So on Sundays and the options that we have on each week, the different ministries that meet, the leaders of those ministries, the, 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 the themes and the things that we're going after on a Sunday morning that will be played out ministry to ministry. They'll change a bit here and there, but that's our next step. And I'm going to share a little bit about that today. So just in the remaining minutes that I have. As I said before, it's really important to understand our next step as an individual because we're all on a different journey. And let's talk about it, the individual next step for a moment and we'll talk about the church, which I've kind of done a little bit, but I need to break that down a little bit more. We, I just talked about our season and our now, but I want to specifically talk about our church's next step. And now I want to talk about first, we're pausing the church's next step and we're going to talk about our individual next step. As the pastor, as the church leadership, we can't actually specifically tell you what your next step is. Because we're not in charge of you. <laughs> and you know you better than I know you. And the Lord knows you even better. So our role is to push you closer to him. Our role is to create an environment, an ecosystem, if you will, that actually facilitates connection with him, facilitates connection with each other. And this is the heart of our uh, Lee and I, our core team, our leadership team, and our volunteering team, and then our heart for those that aren't in any of them, but just come along to options. Our heart for all of that is that through that and in that, we actually, you start picking up themes of presence, worship, being healthy and whole on the inside, wanting to see people born again every single day. You start to see the, the themes and the, and the language of God is good and God is always speaking and we're about connection and kindness fuels our responses and we don't talk negatively about anyone behind their back because we prefer conversations. So when, when this happens, what actually starts to happen when there is people saying, oh, da, 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 one of what's going to happen is there's going to be a person in that conversation that's actually linked into the vision and they'll actually say, hey, I don't want to be involved in this conversation. If you've got a problem, you can go and talk to that person because I don't want to talk about them. And then we'll take them to the next level. Actually, you've got, you've got a week. I'm going to give you a week to tell that person or I'm going to have to because what you were saying was pretty yuck and I don't think that's who they are. I think you've misread the situation. When we start seeing this, this is like getting excited and we go, oh my goodness. And, and when you respond like that, that's the vision playing out. It's not 20 years from now. It's not 10 years to now. It's like, oh my goodness, I'm actually, I'm actually being transformed into thinking like him. Does that make sense? So your next step as an individual will be different. But as a church, we're providing a guide with the core belief book. We're providing a guide. The scriptures are a guide. 
The core belief book is second to the scriptures, even though there's 140 scriptures in the booklet, but they're a guide. So for your next step, it's identifying your season and your now, your church's season and its now, so that you can actually be in a position to go, what, I know exactly where I'm planted and what they're about, and I specifically know where I'm at in life because I'm talking to God and I've got people around me. And when I know that, I can then take a step. And I would encourage you that the way that we have been praying is that the core beliefs and the vision are actually going to help in every situation in life. That's the way that we design them. Not just to be some haphazard, chaotic thing, but actually that anything you go through, whether believing for greatness or coming out of a trial, that within that core belief booklet, with the scriptures, definitions, and how it plays out, there will be a guide and a help for you to come up and out. So your next step, I would encourage you, involves scripture, it involves the booklet, and it involves people. Does that make sense? It involves scripture, it involves the booklet, and it involves people. If you do scripture and people, that is amazing. But where are you planted? Because I truly believe that God's that good that he's set, and, the, and the role of leaders and pastors, regardless, it's not God's fault that people hurt us. I don't know what, I don't know what church you've been to. I don't know your history, but it's not God's fault. So he calls us into healing. So we've got scriptures, we've got the booklet, and we've got people. And they are a guide for your next step. I would encourage you to have all three in motion. Example, Tasha, you better jump up. I know you're comfy there and listening, but it's um, we're just going to land. Thanks so much. So how does that actually practically play out? Example, I have a desire to pray for the sick and to see them healed and whole every time I pray. So we look at scripture. And we rattle off the 31 miracles of Jesus. And we start to get familiar with the Bible of what it says about healing. And then we go, know what? You know what? Oh, one of our core beliefs is nothing is impossible. So I'm going to grab the scriptures and I'm going to grab how they've articulated it because it's specific to my church, the one I'm giving to, the one I'm praying for, the one I'm doing life with people. And I'm going to go after this on my own because that's my now. Now, I get they're going after presence and prophecy, and I'll join in on that as well because it's my church. But my now, my heart needs to go after healing because I've seen too much sickness in my family, and I've got to go after it, and it's grabbing my heart. Am I making sense? Another example. I'm really concerned about the state of the world and how the church fits into it. I'd encourage you, start reading the Bible. As I prophesied in the last days, nation will not rise against nation. But it's conflicting everything I see. I'm like, the Bible often does that because it's truth. So grab the scriptures. Grab all of them. There's some stuff in the uh, New Testament that talks about it, the days, the signs. But read it all in context. And then go into the core beliefs and some of the statements and passions that we actually believe. And then go after it. Example three, character, integrity, purity. I don't want to look at that stuff anymore. I want to, I want to do this. I want to be, I want to, my word is my bond. 
I want to be the same person at home as I am at church. This whole character deal, this health deal, this inner world deal. So that core belief, personal transformation, grab the Bible and what it talks about, the finished work of the cross, but it has to play out. It's not, yeah, finished work, I don't have to do anything. No, no, no. We're on the renewed mind journey of our thoughts linking up with that finished work. So read that core belief, read the scriptures. Can you see a theme, church, of our next step? And I could go on for the other five core beliefs, but you get the gist of where we're at as an individual. The core beliefs, it's our heart that they would help guide. That, that I'm going to read a statement that the core beliefs, the core beliefs are. They are, these are the core beliefs. These are the foundations and filters by which we do everything. They determine our thinking, transformation, and behavior. When believed and applied, we will see our culture created and our vision become a reality. We can say that because they're based on the Word of God. There's 140 scriptures in it. It's, it's, it's founded on it. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you, God. Jesus. I thank you for the, the vision that you've birthed in us and you've been talking about and articulating. So I just encourage you now, however you can be not distracted. You, I mean, if you want to be distracted, you can be. But if let's lock in and, and engage with the Lord right now as Tasha's playing. Let's talk with him. He's near. He's our ever-present help in time of need. He, he's in us. And, and he comes upon us. Thank you, God. Yeah, thank you, God. Our next step, it's, it's personal. But it's also affected by the vision of the church we're planted in. As a guide. As a help. As encouragement. So where am I at, God? What's my next step? It involves intentionality, as Brett beautifully said. It's about telling people. Most athletes can't do it without a coach. Because they drive them and encourage them. And then our, our next step as a church is to go after these core beliefs. Is to present them, to talk about them. You'll see some that are more measurable than other, others, like salvation, healing, the prophetic, and, and worship and presence. Those five are probably clearer to see rather than personal transformation and healthy families, but we're still going to go after them as well. So our next step as a church is to unpack the core beliefs. And not just to teach, but to activate, to, to, to move into an encou encountering God with God is good. What does that mean? The girls started hitting on that a few weeks ago. So that's our season, church. The vision and core beliefs is a general thing. Our now is the consistency, the hope, the prophecies, the testimonies, and all that teaching that we've been doing over the last six weeks. And now our next step is to specifically go after the core beliefs because they uphold the vision.